Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whip Barfield, and we are back. After a short week off for the holidays, it is Tuesday, December 29th, three days until the greatest day of the year, the last day of the year, and four days until the college football playoffs, so we have a lot to talk about this week. Of course, I'm joined by the usual cast. I got Lando, Matt, and our producer, Keys, and uh, as always, we cannot begin a show without checking in on everybody. How was y'all's holidays? Dude, it was good. It was good. It was good to uh, get a few days off. You know, being a teacher, I'm still, this is my last week, uh, but it's been nice to have a little break. Uh, recovered from the COVID for the most part. Still can't taste 100%, but, you know, overall doing a lot better. But it was it was a wild couple of weeks there uh, in, the, in the Howell household with all three of us down. But, uh, you know, overall, good, good Christmas, uh, good family time, and uh, I think the food was pretty good. Lando, how was your holiday, man? Yeah, my holiday was pretty good, Matt. Um, had a good Christmas, uh, ate lots of good food. Mother did what she normally does, and that is make great food. Um, watch some good football. We have some good football coming on tomorrow with the Oklahoma Sooners and the Florida Gators. Uh, and, of course, the college football playoff. So I am looking forward to all this great football we have coming up uh, towards the end of the year here. Keys, how about you, bud? I had a great holiday so far. Uh, we went to Disney. And to Universal, and it was awesome. There was, like, no lines. I'm convinced that's the best time to go. There's, there's nobody there, and you just walk right through the lines. And the the longest we waited for anything was for food, and it was awesome. Um, so we started doing trips, really, instead of giving each other gifts for our family. So uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. And then just been hanging out with, uh, you know, Lando and some of the other boys. Wit came down, and we went to um, Horndow Brewing again. And uh, just having a good holiday. What about you, Wit? Yeah, you know, I got to come back down. Um, got my first week off since I started working back last January. Uh, I got to come back home to Kennesaw and uh, see some good friends of mine who, who were also home for the holidays, coming home from college and whatnot. And yeah, we got to go to that Horned Owl. I mean, that was really the biggest highlight of my week besides, you know, spending time with family and stuff like that. But um, getting to see some people there, getting to try some good beer, watching. Uh, we watched the Liberty Coastal Carolina Bowl game there. That was a lot of fun and got to go back to Keezus and I. Uh, so yeah, it was a good holiday season. Yeah, so Christmas has passed, and and in our little group chat uh, during Christmas, we were kind of talking about you know some movies, Christmas movies that come on during Christmas time, and one of those movies is A Christmas Story, in which TBS, TNT, and all those channels play for twenty four hours straight, and a couple of the guys in in the GM uh, actually said they don't like that movie. So I think Matt, were you one of those guys? Oh, that's me. I'm guilty as charged. So. Give me, give me a valid, a valid reason as to why you don't like a Christmas story. But because me personally, I watch the movie at least ten to fifteen times on a loop during Christmas Eve and Christmas. See, I, okay, so I, my here's my best guess. I never watched a Christmas story whenever I was a kid because nobody, like my my mom and my dad, didn't really. They weren't really big fans of it either. They didn't really think it was that. It wasn't one of their favorite movies. So I watched it a few years ago. And I didn't understand the hype. I was like, why does everyone hype this movie up so much? Because like, you know, and, and maybe it's one of those things that if I watch it again, it'll be like, oh, okay, it's a it's a decent movie. But first time watching it was on Christmas uh, because they play it for 24 hours. And I watched it and I was like, I just, I'm sorry. I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, I don't see the hype in it. And, and maybe it's, again, it's like nostalgic for a lot of people. It's not nostalgic at all for me, so it's kind of just like a really weird movie. Okay, so that that's actually pretty fair, because for me, 
it's it's a nostalgic movie. It's a movie that I've watched ever since I was a kid until now. So we watch it every Christmas. So I just love watching it. And my dad can quote some of the some of the lines in the movie. It, I think it's just a great movie. It's probably like one of the most realistic Christmas movies. It's like actually what it's like to be a kid during Christmas. You know, you want that one thing. You're trying to figure out how to like trick your parents into getting it for you. I think it's a great movie. And my parents love it too. Because they say, um, even though it's a little bit, it's, it's based on what, like the 40s or something? Yeah, it, it's a bit before my parents, but they still say it reminds them of like growing up with like the dimly lit houses, the big bulbs on the tree. So I guess, yeah, I guess like Matt said, he, he didn't watch it as a kid with his family or anything, but that that's what we've always watched. It's a fantastic movie. Probably easily my favorite Christmas movie. See, that, that's how National Lampoons is for me, though. Like a lot of people are kind of burned out on National Lampoons Christmas Vacation, but that was what we watched on Christmas Eve. Like whenever I was a kid, we did a family Christmas Eve, like family Christmas on Christmas Eve, like with my mom's side of the family. So it'd be like my mom and and my, and her parents. And like, we'd have a big family gathering over there and we would open presents and stuff. And then we'd plop in national lampoons, Christmas vacation. So that's my movie. Like a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, you know, I can watch it once or twice, but it's kind of old, but like, no, I, I love that movie. Yeah, and see, that is a movie that I can't get into. I've seen it several times. It's just, would I rather watch A Christmas Story or National Lampoons? I'm going to choose A Christmas Story. Because in A Christmas Story, one of my favorite parts is when Flick sticks his tongue to the flagpole and they all leave him outside by himself. That is my favorite part of the movie. So I I love that movie. Yeah, Matt, I'm kind of right there with you. I didn't really grow up watching it because my parents weren't really a fan of it. Even today, like... Um, like on Christmas day, we were kind of just sitting around the living room and we didn't know what else to put on. So of course we threw on the Christmas story cause it was like the only Christmas movie on at the time we were sitting there watching stuff, but, and, um, uh, and she was sitting there, she was like, why in the world are y'all watching this crap? Like this is, this movie is not good. And I was like, I, I'm like, mom, we literally had a conversation in the group me earlier today about like, what's the greatest Christmas, Christmas movie of all time. And it, a lot of people were saying Christmas story. So, and it, and they run it on a loop for, is it 24 hours? Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, or just Christmas Day? Christmas it's Eve Christmas and Christmas Eve Day? and Christmas Day, yeah. Yeah, I was like, if it, if it wasn't a good movie, they wouldn't show it for 48 hours straight with no commercials. So it's <laughs> like it's it's definitely a classic, but it's not one that I grew up watching. And my parents were always kind of weird about us watching show, movies like that when I was little. E- even um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and um, stuff like that up until we got older. Because we grew up watching... Like the little claymation movies, like the Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Rudolph yes. the Red-Nosed Reindeer, movies like that. Uh, what is it? Um, Year Without a Santa Claus, all those movies. Those were the ones that my parents were like, when we were little, like these are the movies that we want our kids to watch. So those are kind of my nostalgia Christmas movies I watch every year. I'm right there with you with those. I will say, though, my favorite Christmas movie is Bad Santa. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a fun, that's a funny movie. I, I actually... Watched that over at a friend's house, and it was like the unrated version. It was called Batter Santa, so it was like the uncut, unrated version. And I, I watched that over at a friend's house whenever I was like eleven or ten, and <laughs> I learned a lot that day. I don't know if I've ever seen Bad Santa, to be honest, but I've heard good things. Wit, you are in for a treat when you actually watch it. It is, it's hilarious. When it comes to movies, I'm what they called extremely uncultured. I've come to learn. Still can't believe you've never seen Old School. Exactly. That's exactly what I was talking about. I got, got crapped on in the group message for not seeing old school and some of those Adam Sandler movies and Will Ferrell movies and stuff like that. 
I'm extremely uncultured. My parents were, did not do a good job of raising me in the art of watching good movies when I was little. I will say that. Well, I'll tell you what you are cultured on, and that is college football. So how about those playoff selection rankings and the playoff games we have coming up? That's the only one who has a team left. Yeah, yeah. But, well, okay. Yeah, I'm the only one that's got a team left. But it's still fun to watch the playoff. I didn't have a team in it last year, which was the first time that that had ever happened. And it was still it was still enjoyable to watch the playoff, sort of. The game, the some of the games were kind of the, the Ohio State Clemson game last year was phenomenal. The LSU Oklahoma game was kind of boring. Sorry, Lando. All right, so for our listeners, I, I want you to kind of like rewind back to what Matt just said last year. When, when, what did you say? You said last year was the first time your team hadn't been in the playoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just <laughs> j- j- just think about that. His 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 team has only missed a playoff one time, and that is absurd. Yeah. For the rest of us, it's like, oh, we made it to the playoff. We have a chance to win a national championship. For him, it's like, oh, we're back again. Oh, we 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 didn't we didn't win the championship. Oh, we'll just get it back there again next year. Must be nice. It is it is kind of frustrating though to 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 go and lose, which we've done twice. It's even more frustrating to not even make it. So, it's even more frustrating to make it every so often and to lose every time you get in it. Well, we we lost in the first round the first year of it to Ohio State. Then year two we won. Then year three we lose. Then year four we win. Then year five we don't make it. So I mean, you know, it's you, you win some, you lose some. I, I'm I, I know I'm I'm honestly just grasping for straws here, looking for pity. There's really I actually feel no pity for myself. Uh, it's it's a great time to be an Alabama fan, and and anyone who tries to you know say oh you know oh Alabama fans have it so easy. Only if you hopped on the wagon recently. All right. We had it bad for a long time, but it's a great time to be an Alabama fan, and I'm going to soak in it, you know, and, and as, as, as you would if your team was in the same position. Where do you guys stand on uh, Texas A&M? You guys think they should have made it, or do you think that they were kept out for a good reason? Well, I, I'll, I'll go first, and I'll say that it, we played them. We beat them by 24. It wasn't a very good game, so... Are you going to see a remake? I feel like the committee had one of two options. Either A, they put A&M in, and they have to move them up to three and just, so they play Clemson, or B, they put them in at four, and everyone says, oh, there was a blowout. There, here comes another blowout. And a game that we've already seen, it's more interesting to see Notre Dame-Alabama because that builds more hype up to a potential national championship against Alabama and Clemson, or if Notre Dame wins, Notre Dame and Clemson. Exactly. I would much rather see Notre Dame get blown out than Texas A&M get blown out again by Alabama. And I think, honestly, that ended up being what it came down to. Like, I think you could look at their resumes and say, like, they're pretty comparable. Like, I mean, um, Clemson definitely had the better win. Or not Clemson. Notre Dame definitely had the better win beating Clemson, um, even though it was out, it was without Trevor Lawrence. And then they turned around and got just obliterated by them in the ACC championship and a&M had a couple good wins in there. They beat Florida, they, and uh, they got obliterated by Alabama, who was the number one team in the country. But, I mean, if you're looking at it, you knew, or at least I knew, that the committee was not going to put in Texas A&M at the four spot and watch them get blown out by Alabama again. Because they knew no matter what, Notre Dame or Texas A&M would probably both end up getting blown out by Alabama. So they're like, why not put in the team? It's going to make us a little bit more money, and it's going to be a different game that we haven't seen this year. 
because uh, you knew they weren't going to move A&M up to three because they wanted that Ohio State-Clemson uh, game. Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields, number one and number two recruits in the class of the 2018 uh, recruiting class. Because I mean, that's what they've been—that's what they've been trying to get paired up since they've got there. So it's—I mean, it—it—it's it, it, not surprising to be honest how it ended up. Yeah, and I think the committee also looked at how Texas A&M has played in their wins. They haven't looked very impressive in their wins because they gave up, you know, a whole bunch of points to Tennessee. Like, who gives up points to Tennessee? And then they've only won their games by, you know, five points. So I I think Notre Dame sh- should be in because they've looked good in their games. And I'd much rather uh, have Ian Book as my quarterback than Kellen Mond. Oh, I agree with you there. Kellen Mond and the thing with Kellen Mond is like when he plays well he plays really well but when he plays bad he's bad and you never know which one he's going to give who which Kellen Mond are you going to get that week I mean to be honest I think that A&M would have had a better chance at beating Alabama but it's not because I think A&M is better than Notre Dame it's because like we've said multiple times this year when a team plays when a good team and A&M's a good team they I don't think they're really elite but I think they're a good team when a good team plays another good team two times in one year, it's really hard for one of those teams to win that game twice. And even though I don't think the committee was wrong putting a Notre Dame in, I think that was probably the right thing to do. And like I said, it didn't surprise me at all. I still kind of think A&M might have had a better chance to beat Alabama than Notre Dame's going to. We definitely got some funny tweets from some of the players at Texas A&M. Like, uh, all they want for Christmas is to make the playoff with six wins. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State's been getting a lot of crap for for that, but it's just a crazy year. And I understand it. Like we've all talked about it. How do they how do they get in with six wins and they didn't look great against Northwestern, but at the same time like they played the games that were that they were able to play. They were down 20 players against Northwestern and they still played in that game and at the end of the day they won. And if you're, it, it, I don't know. Ohio State's an interesting case. I mean, I think that Clemson game is going to be closer than a lot of people are, are, are chalking it up to be. You, you really think that game is going to be close? I think it could be a close game. I think it, it's, but and here's why: uh, Ohio State, they don't need any extra motivation, but Dabo is giving it to them. And I think Justin Fields, I think Justin Fields has a lot to prove in that game based on his performance against Indiana and Northwestern, uh, because those were the two best teams that they've played this year. And he struggled in both of those games. So now he's going to go up against the Brent Venables defense and he's going to want to show out, you know, last potentially the last time he gets to, uh, you know, show off his skill set for the NFL scouts before the draft. You can give Ohio State all the motivation you want. It's not going to matter. It's not. I don't gonna think matter. they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win, but I, I think it's going to be a a, a, a one possession game. I I don't think I think it's going to be a, a a three score game because they looked eh against Indiana. They looked eh against Northwestern. Okay, uh, the only game that Clemson has lost and looked eh in is against Notre Dame. And when they got their star player back, they crushed him. And they're going to have Trevor Lawrence. They're going to be fully loaded. And let's just be honest. Justin Fields hasn't seen a defense like Clemson's all year. And he and and, and they're, they're going to come after him. They're going to confuse him. He's going to be making mistakes. I, I think it's going to be a wash. I think schematically you're right. But Indiana's defense deserves more credit than, than you're giving them. 
I mean, Indiana is not a terrible team, and their secondary is really good. They're, I mean, that's they've had a lot of people have, have talked about how athletic and fast their secondary is, and they forced Justin to make some mistakes in that game. So I, while, no, he didn't play good in that game, they still scored 42 points in that game, and he threw three picks. So, yes, Clemson schematically is going to do some things to confuse him, but I think Indiana's secondary may be a little more talented than Clemson's this year. What you just said, that Justin Fields threw three interceptions, still scored 42 points, says a lot to do with how Indiana should have won that game and how how much they, they pretty much screwed themselves. If if you get three interceptions, three takeaways, and you don't win the football game, that says a lot about your team and and the talent gap between Ohio State and Indiana. Oh, no, def- there's a definitely a talent gap. Ohio State should win that game. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if, if Clemson gets three interceptions uh, in the playoff game, they'll win by five touchdowns. They should, yeah. See here, yeah, they should. Here's the thing about Clemson this year compared to like how it was last year. They have a lot of weakness in the secondary. I actually think their defense and Ohio State's defense are extremely comparable. Like, I think we're having a lot of um, recency bias with Clemson. Because, I mean, honestly, all year, whenever they've gone up against a decent offense, that offense has taken advantage of that secondary. So I think that Ohio State definitely has a chance to do that. Um, even though I think it's the same way around. I think Clemson's going to have a good chance to do that against Ohio State, too, because that secondary has just been not good this year. But, I mean, Justin, I don't think that Clemson's defense, besides the defensive line, because they are just absolutely loaded on that defensive line for Clemson, I don't think Clemson's defense is that much better than one like like maybe Northwestern. I'd say they're probably better than Indiana, but Northwestern's defense is pretty solid. Oh, yeah, no, I agree with you there. And I, I don't know. I just I think that that game is a good matchup for both sides. Uh, it, I think it's going to be more of a shootout this year than it was last year. Um, you know, in Ohio State not having Chase Young, that's a that's a huge loss, and they lost uh, what's his name, the uh, guy in the secondary, Jeff Okuda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so th- those two guys played a huge role on that defense last year, and. You know, this is a new game this year. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a phenomenal game. He's never shown any signs of 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 being scared of the moment. Uh, I mean, his freshman year, he drummed Alabama in a national championship game. Um, So I think he's going to come out and and he's just he's going to want to win. But I think Justin Fields is going to come out fired up and and play his one of his better games uh, this season. Well, guys, we don't want to give too much away before we get to um, our final pick. That's probably going to be our final pick uh, when we get into our picks later on in the show. But what about talking about the playoff expansion? A lot of people have been complaining about, you know, A&M is one loss. They had a good season. They're a team that should have gotten in. Cincinnati was undefeated. They looked really good this year. They played a pretty tough AAC. Um, even Coastal Carolina has gotten a little bit before um, before they lost to Liberty. A little bit of love getting into the CFP. Do y'all think that it's it's coming close to the time that the committee is going to have to expand that playoff? I think think if you're going to do it, then just go ahead and do it and just take out bowls completely because we're already seeing that bowls already mean nothing because players are opting out. And unless you're in the, the college football playoff, uh, these bowls mean absolutely nothing. So if you're going to expand it, no nobody's going to want to you know play the Orange Bowl just to only get to, you know, uh, another, you know, say the Rose Bowl. Like, it, it's, just, it's just a whole bunch of trophies that, that will mean nothing 
unless you win the national championship. So if you expand a playoff, just make a playoff system and just have it be its own thing. So we we talked about this a little bit the last time that we were we we, we recorded too. And I'm really on the fence because I can see both sides of it. But honestly, here's here's where I recently have kind of changed my mind. Um, it's coming whether we want it to or not because a lot of these athletic departments are hurting for money, especially after this season. So what's one way that you get more money into your sport and into your schools? You expand the opportunity for them to make the playoff. You increase revenue sharing and all that stuff. So I, you know, per some inside sources uh, that I, I don't know how 100% reliable they are, uh, but I do know that they know a good bit. There's already been talks about not next year, but the year after expanding it to eight teams. Um, my my problem with that is, is if you go to eight, then eight's going to turn into why don't we do what the the FCS does and and do sixteen and and by all means, I'm 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 here for that. Um, if they're going to expand it, and I know we've talked a lot about like that that there's a huge gap between the number one four, one team and the number four team. And it's going to be even more obvious if they expand it. And I agree with that too, but there would be a lot of really interesting games like teams. Like, like, could you imagine Georgia Cincy being a playoff game? Like, I feel like that game would have so much more hype around it as an eight, nine game in a playoff setting versus what it's getting now where you're having a lot of guys from Georgia opt out and stuff like that. So, in that regard, I think that it would make it the the college postseason a little more interesting. But I, 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 it doesn't matter at this point. It doesn't matter how much you expand it. Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson are going to be in the conversation every single year for the foreseeable future. Well, that's why I think if you're going to expand it, you can't do it how everybody's saying you should do it, where you just do one through eight and makes the playoff. I think you have to – take that human element out of it a little bit. Like, I mean, that's the thing that's been so controversial about all these four game four uh, team playoffs um, is people are going like, why, who, like who's, who's sitting here saying that Notre Dame's better than A&M. They don't play any of the same teams. There's nothing you can compare. Um, you're just comparing them against completely different sets of opponents. So I think that if you're going to do eight teams, you have to do it to where you have to win something like win your conference or when just something else to where you're it's not just people picking teams it's teams are earning the right to be in that playoff not just by like showing off in front of a committee they're actually like winning their conference or doing whatever to earn that spot and i agree with that completely i i we actually you sent over a mock-up of what your your college football playoff would look like and i liked it i think that that's the best way to do it I understand that you're going to have to have um, – if you do eight, you know, you probably get your five conference champions. I don't think a group of five teams should be assured to make the playoff every year uh, because there's been years – like last year, Memphis did not did not deserve to be a playoff team. Um, they deserved to be in the year six. It, exactly where they ended up is where they should have been. So, But then like you have a team like, like Cincinnati this year. Um, you could say they probably could have deserved to have been in there and at least get a chance to compete. UCF um, in 2017, maybe not as much as 2018, but 2017 for sure deserved to get in there and uh, show what they can do against those top four teams. So I like in and in those situations, like you have it to where if those teams get high enough ranked, like I mean Cincinnati's eight right now. So even if they did the eight rankings, if they if they did the top eight, they'd get in. 
So if um if they did that to where they just put in a group of five team in like a wild card spot, then I think that would be a lot more a lot more fair and uh, less controversial than what we have right now. Yeah, and, and we we we've talked about the group of five stuff before, and one thing that I thought about with these group of five teams, like we're trying to talk about how do we make it more fair for them. It's never going to be fair for them. Like in the way that the current construct is, and you can go all the way back to the BCS system. Boise state got into the Fiesta bowl. And when they won that game, that wasn't even supposed to be a game that they won. And everyone, everyone puts them in there. And because of that, I think it was a year or two later, Hawaii got put into the Sugar Bowl against Georgia, and then they got humbled. It was a blowout, and everyone's saying, well, see, now that's why we don't put group of five teams in these games. You know what I mean? It's so hard to have like that conversation of, is this group of five team deserving based off of other stuff? Because you have, you know, like the, the Boise State team, they probably could have competed for a national championship that year, whereas you have the Hawaii team who gets thrown into a sugar bowl where they get absolutely obliterated. Right, yeah, and I, and I agree with you. Um, but while we're on the topic of teams that um, would have a much better chance of like winning a national championship or at least competing and making the playoff um, than they do right now, if they did expand, let's talk about Auburn. Auburn just hired a new coach. They've hired uh, Brian Harson out of Boise State. Um, he's had a pretty good career. Coming from Arkansas State, he was there for a year, um, and then he was at Boise State for the last couple of years, I think since 2014. What do you think about that hire? Good hire, I guess. I mean, if you can't find anybody else, hire somebody at Boise State. I don't know. Good hire. I, I'm a little iffy on it. Like, at first, whenever I – at face value, if you were to tell me that they, they, they interviewed Brent Venables, they interviewed Steve Sarkeesian, they interviewed uh, Billy Napier – some some really hot coaching candidates and all of them turned that job down. I kind of looked at it like a wow, Auburn must really be in a bad spot. And then they hire Brian Harson and it's not a sexy hire, it's not a big name. But at the end of the day, like I like Lando said, I think it's a pretty good hire. I think that he's going to be a guy that comes in, he's not going to be, you know, overly diva, I guess you could say. Like he doesn't have that reputation and unfortunately for him he's going to be under a lot of pressure a lot faster than a bigger name like a Hugh Freeze would have been uh coming into that position because they're going to expect him to win now and recruit well now and it's going to be really hard for him to make that transition from the Mountain West Conference to the SEC in my opinion yeah see Matt I I kind of was like you where when that hire first came out I was really surprised because I thought when they fired Gus Malzahn, especially with that huge buyout, they had a guy there that they really wanted. They they already had him signed. Um, they knew what they were getting. And um, after that that fire, after they fired Gus Malzahn, it sounded like they really didn't know what they were doing, which kind of really threw me for a loop. So I'm like, if you're going to fire a guy that gets you to like seven or eight wins, makes nine wins pretty consistently, you have to know who you're getting and you have to know you're getting the guy that's going to completely turn your program around. So um, when that first came out, I was like, Boise State's coach, man. I, I, like, I didn't even really know his name. Like, I, like I, I knew Boise State's a good team. They've been good for a while. But, like, I, I, I wasn't really buying it until I did some research on him um, pretty recently. Actually, this week, I just kind of looked him up. And he's actually had a really good career. He's 76-24. and 24. Um, His career as a head coach. His first year as a head coach was at Arkansas State. The year after Gus Malzahn left Arkansas State, 
and he won the Sunbelt, or he won a share of the Sunbelt at least. So he's uh, he, he's done a good job with these teams he's been at. He was at Boise State for the next couple of years after that, and he won, uh, I think it was four of Mountain West championships while he was there. So he's done a really good job of um, taking teams where they had a pretty good coach who was recruiting well and getting good players in there and kind of just running with what they already had. And I think that's what he's going to have to do at Auburn too, where he's going to have to take the guys like Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby and those guys that Gus Malzahn recruited and got in there. And he's going to have to win next year with those guys, or he's going to have a really hard time turning around and recruiting well in the SEC because a lot of people don't even know who he is. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into our pour one out slash cut them off of the week. Uh, Lando, you're going first. All right, this week I am pouring one out for the Georgia Southern Eagles, who played a great bowl game against Louisiana Tech, dominating the football game 38-3. to I mean, this game wasn't even close the entire game. Defense played lights out, and Shy Wirtz had a fantastic game. So I'm pouring out for Georgia Southern Eagles for winning another bowl game. Congratulations, you guys. And I am going to cut off players opting out for bowl season. However, I understand it just it, it it hurts that these games will mean absolutely nothing because Florida is not going to be fully loaded. Oklahoma has some players that's not going to be playing. So, you know, whether Oklahoma wins, people are going to say, oh, Florida wasn't fully loaded. If Florida wins, you know, they're going to say, oh, the SEC is so dominant. You know, I think that at this point, why are we even playing these games if players are just going to opt out and it's just going to be just a, a ragtag game. So that's what I'm cutting off. Players opting out for bowl season. Matt. All right. So I am pouring one out for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Finally, if you're going to be, if you're going to be bad, be the best at being bad. And for the first time in my life, well, since they became a, a franchise, my favorite NFL team is going to have the number one pick in the draft, and Trevor Lawrence is going to bring the Jacksonville Jaguars to glory. So I am pouring one out for the Jags because finally we are the best at being bad. And, uh, you know, I, I, I cut us off for our delusions a few weeks ago because I thought that we were going to end up being two or three, but here we are. So uh, today is a good day. I'm very happy. And I am going to cut off the Chicago Cubs, actually. Uh, they just traded you Darvish over to the San Diego Padres. Um, the, the Cubs have been in a position to make the playoffs pretty much every year uh, for the past several years. This year they got uh, Theo Epstein stepped down, their general manager, president of baseball ops is what his title was, but uh, he steps down surprisingly to most Cubs fans. And then they trade away you Darvish. They've talked about trading away Chris Bryant and a couple of other big pieces uh, there in that lineup. So uh, the Cubs, they win a World Series for the first time in 108 years. And then all of a sudden now they seem to be going into rebuild mode. So I am cutting off the Chicago Cubs. Wit, who you pouring one out for and who you cutting off? So this week I'm going to play Homer finally. Um, I usually don't. Try and, try and stick away from talking too much uh, good things about Georgia. But um, this week, I am pouring one out for Kirby Smart and uh, the University of Georgia's senior class because um, when you got a team with potential first-round talent um, that wants to play in a non-playoff New Year's Six game like the Peach Bowl, 
um, against a group of five team like Cincinnati, like guys like um, Aziz Ojolari, Tyson Campbell, Jordan Davis, um, even Richard LeCount, who's been out since the Kentucky game for Georgia, all those guys are not opting out of that game, which is remarkable to me. Um, and I think it really says a lot about Kirby Smart's leadership as a coach. Um, very different from uh, a guy like Dan Mullen, who we've talked about before. You know, he's like we're thinking maybe he's not the best leader for um, a college football team. You know, he's pretty probably a pretty good coach. He's got guys left and right opting out, go, jump into the bowl game, not playing against Oklahoma, not really caring about it. And here's Georgia's having some of their best guys step up and say, "We want to go. We want one more game uh, to show like what we can do at Georgia and uh, do some good things for the dogs." So. I'm pouring one out for them, um, and then for the uh, I'm I'm cutting off the New York Jets because for not tanking and clinching the number one pick because they set themselves back years and years uh, for winning those last two games that they won uh, last week. They beat the Cleveland Browns and pretty much completely took themselves out of having a chance at Trevor Lawrence, um, and that is going to stick them in limbo of mediocrity for a long, long time. And uh, they deserve to be cut off for that, and they will probably be cut off again here soon uh, Thank because you, they, Jets. there's not much going for them. Keys, who are you pouring one out for? I'm going to be pouring one out for Alvin Kamara, who just absolutely shredded anyone's fantasy team who played against him. Uh, he had 56.2 fantasy points, if you do PPR, and he had six TD rushes. That's insane. Dude played ridiculously. And then I am going to be cutting off I'll just be honest here. I'm cutting off bowl season because I'm just straight up not excited for it. And Lando touched on this earlier uh, during our playoff expansion conversation. The bowls are just getting to a point where they really don't mean anything. And the culture of skipping bowl games for players entering the draft is just getting serious. So much so that it completely changes the landscapes of the matchups. Not that watching uh, South Carolina versus UAB play in the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl wouldn't have been just thrilling to watch before that got canceled. But uh, I'm just I'm not even looking forward to seeing fresh out of the norm matchups this year because I'm just not I just didn't get excited for bowl season. And it's partially due to COVID stirring things up and um, letting teams get in with a worse resume than usual. But I'm just I'm, I'm really ready for some kind of change. I think I'm just I'm kind of over it. Dang, yeah, I think all of us are uh, having a tough time with bowl season this year. It's definitely been a different one, but uh, we'll go ahead and move on. We'll get into our locks of the week. Lando, who's your lock? My lock of the week will be the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. I'm taking Iowa State over Oregon. I think Iowa State has a great defense, and their running back, Brees Hall, is the best running back, in my opinion, in all of college football. If uh, Purdy can make smart decisions and not do what he did against Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, I think they're going to handle Oregon. So that is my lock of the week. Matt, who do you have? For my lock of the week... I'm going to go with Wisconsin over Wake Forest uh, in the Dukes Mayo Bowl. I really only picked it because I love to use Dukes when I make my uh, famous potato salad and uh, thought that was a phenomenal sponsor for a bowl game in 2020. Uh, but I'm going Wisconsin over Wake Forest. Wit, what you got? So my lock this week, I am taking Mississippi State to beat Tulsa in the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Uh, shout out Lockheed Martin. Shout out our boy Mark Scratis, who lives out in Dallas. Um, so I think Mississippi State has been playing better these last couple of weeks. They looked a lot better against Georgia. They looked to get better against Ole Miss. Um, I still don't really think they're a great team, but I also don't think Tulsa's that great of a team either. And even though they played really well against Cincinnati, I think they kind of threw everything they had at them. Um, I don't think they really have much more than that. 
Um, so I think Cincinnati, led by Will Rogers um, at quarterback and not KJ Costello, is really gonna uh, gonna put it on Tulsa, and I think Leach is gonna get a much needed win that's gonna propel his momentum into next season. Keys, who's your lot this week? So this week I'm picking the Capital One Orange Bowl. And I just want to see how Texas A&M does. They were talking some trash because they didn't get in. They didn't make the cut. So if they go in there and they don't play well against North Carolina, that pretty much solidifies it. I, I also just want to say, because I figured wit that you'd be picking uh, the Chick-fil-A Bowl just because. But Georgia does not need to screw around and lose that game. If they lose to Cincinnati, that that's bad news. Especially considering what you said earlier. They, they really didn't uh, have a lot of people skip out on the game. I think Georgia's going to handle them. I do too, but they don't need to screw around. I know Lando likes to say a lot of times, you know, when they lose, they say, oh, they didn't want to be there. They need to want to be there. I think Kirby's going to have them ready. I want to chime in on that. I am 100% agreeing with Kiesler on this. Georgia needs to come out here and absolutely dominate Cincinnati because if they don't and Cincinnati comes in there and steamrolls them, I don't think people are going to are gonna give give Georgia the benefit of the doubt and, and, gonna, and tell them uh, that, Oh, they didn't want to be there because like he said, there's not a whole lot of players that are opting out for this game. So Georgia's going to be pretty fully loaded. Georgia needs, they need to come out there and steamroll them. Yeah. And we'll have more time to talk about the peach bowl. I, obviously I have a lot to say on that, but um, we'll go ahead and get into our first pick of the week. Our first pick is the cotton bowl. We have number seven, Florida taking on number six, Oklahoma um, in Dallas over by our boy, Mark, as we said earlier. And uh, Oklahoma is now a three-point favorite. That completely shifted. Florida was a three-point favorite uh, coming into yesterday. And after all the opt-outs of yesterday, Oklahoma has now taken over as the favorite in that game. Um, Lando, I'm assuming you got the Sooners. Uh, I just want to say that I'm excited just to to watch the game because it's it's gonna it's my Sooners are playing. Obviously, um, yeah, Florida has some players opting out. Oklahoma has a couple players opting out. So honestly, yeah, I'm picking Oklahoma, but it really doesn't matter at this point because Florida's not going to be fully loaded. So, you know, if, if we win, we, we didn't beat Florida fully loaded. So who really cares? Unfortunately for Oklahoma, Marco Wilson is not playing. So he can't throw any shoes in this game. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, so I'm going Oklahoma in this game because of the absence of, of Kyle Pitts and Tony. And Grimes, I think that those are those are some big pieces for Florida, and it'll be interesting because it it'll probably be a little bit more of a glimpse of of what Florida is going to be in twenty twenty one. Um, so it'll be interesting to see some younger guys get an opportunity to play. And the the one thing I will say about this with bowl season, since we've talked a lot about it, and it kind of applies to this game, the guys that are that are there want to be there. And they're going to play their butts off. So it, I still think it's going to be a pretty good football game. Uh, but I've got Oklahoma probably by a touchdown, uh, touchdown or two. Uh, Wit. Yeah, Matt, I actually kind of agree with you. And um, I've kind of been holding that in throughout the show, just kind of trying to save some time. But the, to me, bowl games still matter because even when you have games like this game where so many guys are opting out, all these seniors are opting out, they don't want to play. Um, they don't want to risk, you know, getting COVID, getting hurt, whatever. You still have guys come in here. Like, like Florida is a good team. Like, no, they don't recruit on the same level as like Alabama, but they still recruit pretty well. The guys that they're going to have come in here are going to be the starters for next year. And then, I mean, and it's the same for Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma is going to have some seniors leave, but Oklahoma is a super young team this year. So this is going to be the team 
most of the team that Oklahoma is probably going to field next year. So for me, when I'm watching these games, and it's the same for Georgia too, um, when Georgia has guys opt out and whatnot, you're getting a look at what the two teams that are playing each other are going to be like next year as well, which is very different from like how we've had both seasons in the past where it's, it's that team from that year versus that team from that year, where now it's more so like a bunch of the seniors opt out and don't play, and you get some of the starters for next year. But for me, it's cool. Like It's, it's honestly like a more glorified like preseason game that means a lot more. And I think, um, especially in the New Year's Six games, but a lot of these guys that are playing, whether it be freshmen, whether it be seniors who are having their last game, I think it means more to them than people think. So I agree with you all. But after the opt-outs of Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts, Trayvon Grimes, Marco Wilson, and then you got Jacob Copeland, um, another receiver who um, got COVID. He's not going to be playing. Sean Davis is their starting safety. He's also not playing. Those were announced um, earlier today, I believe. Um, it it uh, This pick becomes a whole lot easier. I mean, I think – even with that, with those guys, I think Oklahoma would have a really good chance to win this game. Um, and I would have picked Oklahoma to win this game because I think that Oklahoma is a lot more balanced than Florida is. Oklahoma has had the best defense I've seen them have since like 2013 when they beat um, Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. So like, I, like, I think this Oklahoma team is a lot more balanced than usual. Um, but like, like I said, I'm, I'm picking Oklahoma. Um, I think they cover pretty easily. Um, I think they're probably going to win. If 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 it was full strength on full strength, I would take Oklahoma to win by probably like three or four. But since it's not, I think Oklahoma's going to win by at least fourteen. Matt, if Florida was full strength, who who would who would you have picked? Uh, I think it was going to be a really close game. I was gonna I was probably going to pick Florida by three, but that's just because I mean like. Tony and Pitts are so dynamic and athletic. Tony in open space, and Pitts is just a tough guy to match up with. I mean, he's 6'6", he's got receiver speed, and he's a tight end. So, um, I think offensively it would have turned into a shootout, and I, I, I think Florida's defense would have been able to get a stop or two, but I don't know. It would, it would have been a close game. It would have been one of those like 45-42 games. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was actually uh... – pretty terrified uh of playing florida because i know our defense is vastly improved but this would have been the best test to see how much improved that defense actually is and i think matt you're you're very correct those players are dynamic the game would have gotten to a shootout and oklahoma's offense has proven this year that it will go several quarters of being very anemic so Lincoln Riley would have had to, you know, conjure up some some trick plays or do something special to 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 win this to win that football game. I still would have picked Oklahoma, obviously, but I think it would have been a really, 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 really close game if Florida and Oklahoma were fully loaded. Yep, I agree with y'all. I think it would have been close too. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to our next New Year's Six game. Uh, this one is the Fiesta Bowl um, out in Arizona. We have number ten Iowa State, a four and a half point favorite over. Number 25, Pac-12 champion, Oregon. Lando, who are you picking? Iowa State, big. Yeah, I'm going Iowa State here, too. Uh, I think the the biggest difference in this game is going to be that this is the best team that Oregon's played all year. Uh, USC is, the, for what they were, I, I still don't think they were a very good team. Um, I think the Pac-12 is way down. I think the Big 12 is actually a pretty good conference this year. And uh, Iowa State, I, I think Iowa State wins this one by 
I'll go 10. What you thinking, Wit? So, Oregon is the first team ever to win their conference without even winning their division. So, they are actually here by a complete technicality, um, even if they did win that game um, against USC. It's a complete 2020 move on the Pac-12's part, which is, you know, it is what it is. It's a COVID year. Um, I have no respect for the Pac-12, and honestly, I haven't had any respect for the Pac-12 since Washington made the playoff uh, back in 2016, and uh, USC beat Penn State that year in the Rose Bowl. They were a lot better that year, but they, I mean, it's 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 just horrendous right now. It's it, they're, it, um, it's fun staying up and watching those games, those late night games. But I mean, man, it's it is just not good football. Um, so I'm giving the edge to Iowa State, um, and I'm with y'all. I don't think it's going to be close. I think Iowa State's going to win by 17. And uh, with that, we'll move on to our next game. It's the Orange Bowl down in Miami. We have the number five Texas A&M Aggies. They are a seven and a half point favorite taking on number 13, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Lando, who are you picking? North Carolina is going, to, is going to do what they did to Miami, and that is steamroll Texas A&M. Texas A&M is coming into this game talking mad crap about how they should have been in the playoff. And I think they're going to they're gonna come in there and and just roll their helmets out and and not have a chip on those shoulder like like they should. So I think North Carolina is going to come in there and steamroll them. Matt, I'm the opposite with you. I think that A&M is going to come out with the chip on their shoulder and they're going to they're going to feel like they got something to prove. I think they play pretty good defense. Uh North Carolina does not play very good defense, so it's going to come down to is it are are we going to have good Kellen Mond or bad Kellen Mond? I think good Kellen Mond is going to show up. And I, I, my, I'm going to go A and M here. I think the 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 spread's pretty close. I've got A and M by seven. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty good game. UNC's offense it can be electric at times. You saw that in the Miami game. Um, it can A and M keep up? I think they will be able to. If this game were full strength on full strength, I would be with Lando because honestly, it has that feel of that Georgia Texas game from the Sugar Bowl back in 2018. Back when like uh, A&M's doing the same thing Georgia did, where like their, their players are tweeting about the playoff, how they should have gotten in, and how they're better than the fourth seed, and all this stuff. And I'm sure once Notre Dame gets blown out by Alabama on New Year's, and uh, they don't play till after that game, they'll be they'll be tweeting about it, going, "Man, we would have had a better chance than they would." Um, so I, I like I, I don't think they're going to show up uh, ready to play. I think they're going to have their mind somewhere else. But the deciding factor for me is that UNC is going to be without Michael Carter. And Javante Williams, who are their two-headed steamroller of a running back crew, um, who have pretty much been the backbone of their offense for this entire year. Both of those guys are opting out to go to the NFL. They're also losing their star receiver, Deami Brown. Um, he's going on to the NFL as well. And they're losing their best defensive player, Chaz Surratt, um, who has been an absolute stud since he got moved from quarterback to linebacker. So I think North Carolina, as good as their offense is, being without those guys is really going to hurt them. And I think they have a lot of weaknesses over that t- all over that team um, when you take away guys like, especially that two, those uh, two running backs, cause those guys are just absolute studs. So um, I think if not for Sam Howell and Daz Newsom, their other star running back who will be playing in this game, it would be an absolute beatdown. But um, since they're playing and um, Texas A&M uh, looks to be like they're going to be in full strength, I think A&M's going to win the game, but I'm only going to have them winning – by like, I'm going to say 14. I'm going to say 14. And uh, on, to, on to our next game. We have the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. 
Uh, number one, number nine, Georgia Bulldogs, who are a seven-point favorite, taking on number eight, Cincinnati. Um, Lando, who you got? I think this game is going to be awesome. Georgia is going to come out firing. Cincinnati is going to come out firing. This game is going to be an absolute barn burner. I'm going to take Georgia by five. All right, so I think that that I, I'm I'm I really think Georgia's just going to come out and steamroll them. I'm going to be honest. I think I think I think Georgia Kirby has those guys bought into the the culture of of Georgia football now, and and I think that JT has changed that offense so much. You're not seeing a lot of guys opt out for Georgia. They're going to be locked in. They want to get sent off the right way. And they don't want to be Auburn. They don't want to get looked at as the team that let the group of five team win a game and now claim a fake national championship. So I think Georgia's going to come out, and I think Georgia's going to win this game by 17. <laughs> I didn't, I definitely do not think Georgia's going to steamroll Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's defense is so is good to the point where there's not a team in the country that could just absolutely steamroll them. 17, I could see maybe if Georgia just really plays on top of their game, but um, I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. I honestly think the game hinges on what players actually play for Georgia because Cincinnati, like I said, it's just, they're just not your typical group of five team. They have a really strong defense. Um, their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, has really started to take off. He's playing good football. Um, he's a big dual-threat guy. He's hard to, hard to, hard to plan around. Um, and even though Georgia is by far the more talented team, um, they're not going. They're not going to be pushing them around. There's, there's just no way. Like I said, the defense is too good. Um, originally, the media, media put out that Georgia would be without nine to ten starters for that game. Most of them coming on the defense. Um, but Kirby came out and said a couple of days ago that that's completely untrue. A lot of those guys are going to be coming back. Um, Georgia's going to be missing four starters on defense or uh, four starters, two on offense, two on defense, and um, they're also going to have two other depth pieces that won't be playing. Um, as well, um, even though those guys really didn't get a lot of playing time this year anyway. But um, I think they have enough to get the job done. Uh, I think Cincinnati is going to play this game like it's the biggest game in Cincinnati history, um, taking on a big-time SEC team in the Peach Bowl um, in front of national media. Uh, but I think the dogs are going to pull it away in the end. I think they're going to win by a field goal. And uh, we are done with the New Year's Six picks. We are going on to our playoff picks, starting with the first game, on New Year's Day, we have the Rose Bowl, which is number four, Notre Dame, uh, taking on number one, Alabama. Alabama is a 19 and a half point favorite. Lando, who are you picking? Roll Tide, Matt. <laughs> so the Bama, the Bama in me makes me a little, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always one of those guys that I come into a game a little nervous. But the the college football fan in me says we should win this game by 30. So I'm I'm going Bama big, but I could also see Notre Dame coming out playing playing up and and keeping it a close game for for a half and then Alabama pulling away late uh and winning by 17. But I I I think Alabama should win this game by 30. Um offense is you know that the way our offense has played all season long uh Devonte Smith, AP play, AP Player of the Year. Uh, he, nobody can match up with him, and that, that when you have defenses that try to do that, there's so many other pieces that can hurt you. Uh, I'm, one thing I will say is Landon Dickerson being out the center is going to be a big loss 
Uh, he's kind of the heart and soul of the offensive line. Uh, but I still think Alabama steamrolls Notre Dame. We should win this game by 30. Uh, yeah, I think Alabama should win this game by 73, but I don't think they're going to. Mostly because I think that Bama, like how we were just saying, Bama is going to come into this game thinking that that is what they're going to do because that's all the that's what the media is talking about. And even though Saban's good about being like, guys, stay away from the media, uh, don't listen to all the rat poison, you know how Saban does. But um, I really think that um, they're going to walk into this game thinking it's going to be um, it's going to be a bigger beatdown than it really is going to be. Um, so for that, I think that Notre Dame will cover the spread on this game. Um, I don't think they're going to lose by more than 20, but I do think that they're really not going to look competitive in the game, uh, for more than maybe like half a quarter, maybe a full quarter. Um, but after that, I think, um, I think Bama's going to take over and then let their foot off the gas kind of in the fourth, let, uh, Notre Dame come back and grab a backdoor cover like they did against Oklahoma back in 2018. So, um, I'm going to take the tide by 17. I'm with you, Matt. On to our last game. This one is the Sugar Bowl, and um, this one's being played in New Orleans. We have number three, Ohio State, taking on number two, Clemson. Clemson is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a rematch from last year's Fiesta Bowl in the playoff. Um, Lando, who you got in this game? Blowout. Clemson. I think it's going to be a closer game. I said this earlier. I think it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people are, are making it out to be. Ohio State, they have a lot to prove. Uh on their side, because a lot of people are saying they don't deserve to be there with, with just six wins. But I, on paper, Ohio state is a talented team. Uh, you've got number one quarterback in the draft and Trevor Lawrence on one side, number two quarterback in the draft on the other side and Justin Fields. I think this could be a really interesting matchup. I think Clemson's going to win the game ultimately, but I think they're going to win by five. Uh, it's going to be one of those games. It's back and forth. Both secondaries are depleted they're young it's not the Clemson defenses of old that we've seen defensive line they're really good but and I I think that's going to be a difference but I've got I've got Ohio State hanging in there and then and Clemson winning late what are you thinking so I got two stats for you guys to think about um, when you are watching this game Ohio State has never beaten Clemson after four meetings they're owned for but Clemson has never won in New Orleans after playing two games, uh, they lost to Bama in 2017 um, in the Sugar Bowl, which was the semifinal game that year. Um, and then they lost to LSU last year in the national championship. One of those streaks has to be broken this year. And um, I think Clemson has easily looked like the better team coming into this game in um, all year. But I'm going to take the Buckeyes. I think this team is extremely talented. I think they are insanely pumped up for this game um, after what happened last year. I think Justin Fields and Chris Olave are going to I think they've been watching that tape at that last play of the game, and they've been going, you know, I, we just want one chance of that team. Uh, no matter how we play the rest of the year, if we get a chance at playing Clemson again, we're going to show up. So I think Justin, uh, Chris Olave, and that offense, at least that offense, that defense probably might show up too. Uh, they got a lot of talent over there too. But I think Justin and Chris um, are going to show up, play the game of their life, and uh, I think Ohio State's going to win by two. So, guys, have we seen a wide receiver like Devontae Smith before? I'm going to say yes, Lando, and I have a feeling this is why you're bringing this up because I saw this stat the other day. Um, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I believe in 2016, D.D. Westbrook actually had um, more yards. Um, He might have had more touchdowns, too, than Devontae Smith has so far through the same amount of games. Um, which is which is absolutely insane, and and like and yeah, Didi was up for the Heisman, but I mean, 
Like he was a finalist, but he really wasn't ever considered to win it. Like he he was like the fifth, fourth or fifth guy. And um, I mean, I personally thought that he probably should have been considered more that season because um, he was an absolute beast. And him and Baker just dominated teams um, back when Didi was there. But um, yeah, we've 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 definitely seen it. Didi Westbrook's that guy. I will say Baker won the Heisman that year because. Not only did now Baker threw to wide open receivers, much like Mac Jones has done this year, but Baker also had that that extra gear, that extra element of Houdini in him. Like he was, you couldn't tackle him in the pocket. He would he would make plays with his legs, and 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 he was unequivocally the full fledged leader of that football team. I think if Mac Jones had had that extra element of escapability, you know he's 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 getting pressured in the pocket and he's finding ways to get out and throwing and throwing his receivers open, then I would think Mac Jones would win the Heisman. But Matt, I want to hear what you have to say. Have, uh, have you seen a receiver like this before? I mean, this kind of goes back to a conversation that we had about like the offenses. It, we always do this whenever there's a guy that's coming out and doing stupid things and doing stupid numbers where we're like, Oh, is this guy the best ever? I mean, I, I don't want to say he's the best ever because I mean, guys like Amari Cooper, Julio Jones have done it even in the on the Alabama side. I mean, Devontae Smith is one of the best receivers I've ever watched at Alabama. But I mean, it's you're splitting hairs whenever you talk about guys like I mean, and and to even think about it in this way, at the beginning of the year, everyone was talking about Jalen Waddle as being the guy that Devontae Smith has been this year. I'm not gonna say that Jalen Waddle's better than uh, Smitty. I mean, Devontae Smith is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. He's a tough matchup. You, you're not going to see a guy that's going to be able to match up in man coverage with him in college. Um, I'm not going to say he's the best ever, but I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the top, I would put him in the top three of Alabama receivers all time. And I would say that he is one of the best SEC receivers of all time. And he's probably one of the best receivers we've ever seen in the college game, but I wouldn't say that he's necessarily the best. I want to take this time to give a shout out to Heisman Trophy winner of 1991, Desmond Howard, the last receiver to win a Heisman. His numbers in 1991, when Air Raid wasn't a thing, his his numbers are 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 better than Devontae Smith's now. And, yeah. Oh, and yeah. so that that is mind blowing to think that he was that great, and in, oh. in in a time where offenses were were pro style, eye formation, run the football downhill, and then throw a play action pass. He was returning kicks, catching punts, man, catching doing everything. So I hope Devontae Smith wins the Heisman because I think he is absolutely phenomenal. Oh, I'm with you. I mean, I. Fun fact, he so he won AP Player of the Year today. 17 of the last 22 players to win AP Player of the Year have gone on to win the Heisman. So the the odds are looking pretty good for Devontae Smith. And he, you know, when I remember David Pollock said whenever Jalen Waddle went down, there goes Bama's chance at a title. And Devontae Smith, when Jalen Waddle went down, said, hey, there, there's, a, there's a guy with number six on his jersey that's still here. And I am a beast to be reckoned with. And you know, it, to, to me, it would be just a, the full circle of Devontae's career. You know, his first big game is the national championship against Georgia and, and catching the game-winning pass in that game. And then to go on and have the career that he's had, 
deciding to come back for his senior year, which is, I feel like that's a very overlooked part of his story. You know, of the three receivers last year that we had, our top three with Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Devontae Smith, they were all projected to be high draft picks. And Devontae Smith said, you know what? I want to come back. I want to try and win a national title. So a lot to be said about Devontae Smith is his character there. And he's also earned himself a lot more money because he's going to be probably the first receiver off the board in the NFL draft this year. So um, if he wins the Heisman, how many will Alabama have? Will it be three? Three. He'd be he'd be the first non-running back to win a Heisman at Alabama. Yeah, and the first to win a Heisman since 1991. I am, I, I am, I'm praying that he wins because I really want this this streak and this this routine of giving it to quarterbacks to end. Oh yeah, I I don't think Mac Jones is going to win it just because of how how explosive and I think Devontae Smith did himself a huge service by returning punts and taking one to the house against Arkansas. That that really boosted how much he means to the team as an overall player. And then he almost housed one against Florida, but he got, he got shoestring tackled. So, I mean, dude is, dude is a, dude is a beast. So let me ask you guys a question. Um, we've been sitting here talking about Devonte Smith and um, I'm assuming I'm with you guys. I, I think you guys have kind of voiced that you guys want Devonte Smith to win it. Um, and y'all probably think that Devonte Smith will win it. Um, if y'all were voting right now, who would y'all pick to win the Heisman? If it was not going to be Devonte Smith. I think that's a pretty tough question. It it really is. I mean, on one hand, I want to say Mac Jones because his numbers are have been ridiculous this year. But a guy that I've been behind from since earlier in the year, and it's another Alabama guy. I, I think Najee Harris. If Devonte, you take Devonte Smith out of it, Najee Harris to me should be a guy that that, that would be next in line. Kyle Trask lost three games. I think that takes him out of it. Now, Trevor Lawrence, I think he deserves more credit because of the um, the the way that Clemson looked against Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence is a completely different game than without him. Um, so he clearly means a lot to his team, and he is an outstanding football player. But for me, you take Devontae Smith out of it, Alabama's offense doesn't run like it does without the running game that they have. And... Najee Harris's ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, not just as a running back, makes him an, a, a dynamic player in that side of the game. And so I would, I would vote for Najee personally. Florida fans are going to go berserk when they hear this because we're not picking Kyle Trask, but Heisman Trophy winners don't lose three games, so he's automatically out. Me personally, I, it would be between Najee Harris or Trevor Lawrence. I would lean more towards Trevor Lawrence just because, hey, he he has the body of work through college football, and why not just give it to him? Like, why not? He he's a good dude. He's played well last year and the year before. Just why not give it to him? Why not? I think Trevor Lawrence. If I if I'm saying I like somebody I want to win besides Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith is for sure my number one because he's a receiver, and I would love to see like Lando said that that streak of quarterbacks in. Um, if I'm picking somebody that I want to win. Besides Devontae, it would 100% be Trevor Lawrence. I, I like him a lot. Some people think he's like maybe kind of douchey or whatever. I don't think he is at all. I think he's a great guy. That's I mean, I've never actually met him before, so I'm not going to sit here and try and talk about his character when I don't know a guy. But like, he seems like a good leader. He was very outspoken during COVID um, when they were people were canceling seasons and whatnot. And um, he's been 
probably, I mean, if you're sitting here watching football on screen, he's been the best football player since he's been at Clemson. So he's, um, I definitely think that would be the guy I'd want to win. But I honestly kind of disagree with you guys about Kyle Trask. Like I'm with y'all that the Heisman Trophy winner doesn't need to lose three games. But nobody was really saying that when Lamar Jackson won the Heisman a couple years ago. I mean, he lost, what, three or four games? So, and yeah, like obviously it's it's a little bit different for him because he's got that dual threat ability and he's got the running game and whatnot. But Kyle Trask, through 11 games, had 20 more passing yards, two more touchdowns, and one less interception than Joe Burrow last year, who was, quote by ESPN, the greatest quarterback to ever have a season in college football. So, like, I'm not saying he should win, but I'm saying, like, people people have kind of been hating on him since losing to LSU, and I think he kind of deserves a little bit more credit. Wit, don't you dare, let me reiterate, don't you dare compare Kyle Trask, <laughs> tr- tr- Trask to Lamar Jackson. That 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 is, that's blasphemy, as Stephen A. Smith would say. That you, you can't compare those two because Lamar Jackson is electrifying as a player, and he, he he's even electrifying in the pros when when everybody is that speed, and he is still unstoppable. He was unstoppable in college, and he's gone to the pros, and he's unstoppable. You can't compare those two players. Can't do it. Here, here's what I'd say about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had the second most total yards of offense in a season in in Heisman history that that like Kyle Trask and and let me be very clear I think Kyle Trask is a huge part of Florida's success do not get do not take that out of context without Kyle Trask Florida is nowhere near where they are I don't think Emory Jones would be have them play the way they did but Kyle Trask lost the Heisman in the LSU game and I know that LSU Obviously, they're playing a lot better, but three turnovers to the LSU team, and then you lose the game, and it's a home game. Like you weren't at the, you weren't in Baton Rouge. You did that at home. That to me is it. Lamar Jackson was the only real talent on that Louisville offense. Like without him, they would have been nothing. And you saw that when he when he left, they got obliterated, and Petrino got run out of town. Trask is very good, but. Uh, I don't dis- I don't disagree with y'all at all. I understand where you're coming from. But the reason I made that comparison is because y'all are saying he's lost three games. He didn't look great in those three. I mean, he's put up he put up good numbers in those three games. He's had a couple turnovers and whatnot. I mean, he still went for over 400 yards against LSU. So it's not like he didn't have a good game. But but like when you said and but like and like part of the reason y'all are saying like Trevor Lawrence and stuff too is because without him, Clemson would be a different team. But look at look at Florida last year before Kyle Trask took over. They were a completely different team with Felipe Franks, who, I mean, given Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask at Florida are two completely different quarterbacks because Felipe Franks turned the ball over about every three seconds when he played for Florida. He's been much better at Arkansas. Like, if you're looking at just pure numbers, which is a lot of times when we have these full seasons, that's what people look at. Kyle Trask would blow away everybody winning the Heisman. Uh, you're you're right with the numbers thing, but if you look at and, and I think if Trevor Lawrence didn't miss two games, he wins the Heisman this year. That the, and 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 that's the god my god honest opinion because he was the Heisman favorite. He's America's you know he's sunshine you know all all the nicknames that he's got. He's the number one pick in the draft next year. To me, and and here's why I'm knocking Kyle Trask for losing three games. It has it's more to do with how they lost those games 
and him having the opportunity. Like, uh, okay, you lost to Alabama. He he played a heck of a game against Alabama. I am not taking anything away from him against the way that he played against Alabama. So take that one away. But if Joe Burrow would have lost a game, I'm trying to think of an equivalent last year of this year's LSU. Ole Miss. If Joe Burrow loses a game to Ole Miss last year, does he win the Heisman still? Uh, um, man. Yeah, I think so. So who... No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't because Jalen Hurts would have won. Who's going to win it, though? I don't think Jalen Hurts would have won it over Joe Burrow. If Joe Burrow turned the ball over three times against Ole Miss and lost that game in last one year, game, and that was the only game he lost, or does he lose three games? Even if it's the only game that he loses. But you see, but you see, the thing is, is Jalen Hurts, while he was a Heisman contender, I guess this is just coming from an Oklahoma fan. I personally didn't think Jalen Hurts was all that good for Oklahoma. Yeah, he 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 was electrifying. He was really good, but he also turned the ball over a lot. If you look in that Baylor game, we were down in that Baylor game because of Jalen Hurts. Now we won because of Jalen Hurts, but we were we shouldn't have been there in the first place. So, you know, if Joe Burrow loses that game, I think it's closer. Yeah, the competition for Joe Burrow last year was completely different because you could say that about. Like if he would turn the ball three over three time, three, turn the ball over three times against Ole Miss and lost that game, it would have been a different look. But I mean, Jalen Hurts had maybe two or three games where he turned the ball over like four or five times. So like that was his comparison. I think that is honestly the biggest difference because Kyle Trask has guys like Mac Jones. He's competing against guys like Devontae Smith, who's had one of the greatest seasons ever for a receiver. He's had he's got Najee. They got um, yeah, he's got those guys competing against. He's got Trevor Lawrence. So last year. It was pretty much Joe Burrow. Jalen Hurts had similar numbers, but like, I mean, he turned the ball over all the time. And who's the third quarterback? Was it Trevor Lawrence? No, it's Justin Fields. Justin Fields, you probably could have said maybe he would have had a chance to win it, but how did he make it? Who knows? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I I agree that like Burrow probably would have won last year, but I meant like in, in this scope of the of a season where there is no room for error because of guys like Mac Jones, who's going to be undefeated. You know, like if, if you go up a, a guy that's undefeated and he's putting up similar yards numbers and the touchdowns are lower because Najee Harris has, I, I forgot how many rushing touchdowns, but Florida doesn't have that running back to hand the ball off to and go up the middle on the goal line situations like Mac Jones does. I don't think Mac Jones should be the Heisman Trophy winner, but I also don't think Kyle Trask should because I mean when you lose three games and the A and M game I'll give you that one because they're a pretty decent team. LSU is unforgivable. I, it really is, and I know that you can make the argument that the defense is what lost that game. They shouldn't have even had a chance to be in that game. As good as Florida's offense is, Devonte Smith or Mac Jones are probably going to be the ones to win it. Maybe Trevor Lawrence. So. Um, either way, good conversation to have, but, but that's our show guys. Thank y'all for coming out this week. Um, we always appreciate it. Please give us a follow on Instagram at around the keg and on Twitter at around the keg pod. Um, send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show and, uh, we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Um, hope you guys have a great week and y'all stay safe during New Year's.